Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Bada bing. Welcome to NFL Trend Zone. I am your host, Dustin Baker, here with Jason Bolin, Wes Johnson, and Cody Spears. Week one of all of the NFL action is in the books, and we start Thursday night within week two with the Vikings at the Eagles. We're going to run down week one events and some of the stuff that surprised us. Uh, actually, we've broken up into three categories. I've asked these gentlemen to tell me one thing a piece, myself included, one thing that they loved about week one, one thing that they hated about week one, and one thing that blew their socks off. In unison, we're going to talk about all of those items and maybe get into some week two stuff. I'm not sure if time permits, but we shall see. Foremost, though, betonline.ag is our sponsor and is your number one source for all of your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lineups, and matchup reports for NFL, baseball, boxing, golf, and more. BetOnline continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino and card games available to play right from your phone. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on all of the action. Remember to use this promo code, B-L-E-A-V, believe, B-L-E-A-V. For your 50% welcome bonus bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. Ba-boom, it's the trend zone. We are we have week one in the rear view, much to the chagrin of some of us, mainly the Vikings. Well, actually all of us, the Vikings fans and the Broncos fans on the show went through a little bit of misery. Uh, but we're going to talk about the product on the whole, things we loved, things we hated, things that blew our socks off. And Wes, I'm starting with you, sir, on the West Coast. I want to know one thing that you loved about week one. Oh, one thing I loved about week one, uh, I love just that football was back. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we saw multiple storylines throughout the week. Um, we saw horrendous catching performances from the Kansas City Chiefs wide receivers. We saw uh, absolute defensive dominance from the Dallas Cowboys and 49ers um we saw offensive dominance uh you know Justin Jefferson he he had a fantastic game um who else went off uh Tyreek Hill Tyreek yeah Tua mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> just football being back in general that that really got me going Jason, what do you got? What's something you loved? I know you didn't love much because you were singularly focused on one team. Um, well, we'll get to that. <laughs> you know, I mean, I loved, I, I loved a lot. Uh, you know, when you're so used to losing, you it makes you excited when other good. I mean, I'm not saying the Broncos are good. I'm not saying that, but it does make you feel better when other teams lose that are supposed to be good. And there were a lot of teams that lost that were supposed to be good. Um, You know, we're talking, you know, we're talking Kansas City, the Chargers, um, Buffalo, Cincinnati. And some of these teams, the way they lost, it was just, whoa. I mean, Mm -hmm. but, um, you know, and again, I, I mentioned this last week. I try not to get too up or down about what happens within the first four weeks. I usually like to give it at least the first quarter of the season, just because, you know, last year, I mean, a lot of these things 
happened as well. Everybody goes, it, it's the Brady effect. Is he really done this year? Boy, they got, they're off to a rough start, but then, you know, the first quarter kind of fuck kind of tapers down a little bit and everything, but yes, just like Wes said, football back, football's back. It was, it was awesome. It is good to see good teams lose. Though. It really oh, yeah. is. Well, the the weird part, and because three or four of us love the Vikings on the show, is that week one rule only applies to certain teams. If the Bengals or Steelers get off to a rotten start, we're like, God, that week one rust. That things that's a real thing, isn't it? Um, but if the Vikings lose, it's like, oh well, they don't they better start tanking. They they lost to the Bucks, and yeah. it's like that the rule doesn't get applied to everybody. No, it doesn't. I I tried to explain that. And then some person on Twitter was like, we're talking about Mike Tomlin here and Joe Burrow, pal. And I was like, I don't care. The rule still applies. They look like shit. (laughs) Like what? So so the rule only applies if you're Tomlin who never has a losing season or you're Burrow who's going to win an MVP before too long. Um, I don't know. I, but on the other hand, I'm still petrified that the Vikings might indeed just be not good or mediocre because at the end of the day, they lost to the Buccaneers. So I've spent the last 72 hours trying to figure out, is this week one rust? Um, and then it gets no easier because the Vikings play the Eagles tomorrow night, which didn't even matter if they're, they play an A game. They're probably going to lose because that. Well, <laughs> well, then you got to then, then you go over and over in your head. Are, wait, are, maybe the Bucks are good, though, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, because, a, wait, maybe they're one of those teams that's going to get into the playoffs this year. Yep. 50% of the teams have to. Situation, although. Uh, Joe Burrow was on the team in 2021. It sounds like uh, eons ago. We had no idea that the Bengals were going to be good. And the Vikings played them week one in a similar fashion. Maybe not as many mistakes, a couple, a couple mistakes. Again, they lost the Bengals and we're like, well, around the road, lost the Bengals. It's the Bengals they lost to. And that's used to say the Bengals and laugh. And uh, lo and behold, they later made the Super Bowl. And you're like, well, shit, that week one loss. Of course they lost. It was the Bengals. Uh, so who knows how good the Bucks will be. But yeah, that, that week one rule is very flimsy. It, it applies when you want it to apply. And if well, you and, don't want yeah, it to it, apply, then you just like, oh, this team sucks. And when you're and when you're that used to losing as I am, I mean, it's just like, well, here we go again. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Before we get into the, the rotten stuff, which I am sure Jason will have an impassioned speech about. Cody, what's something you loved about week one? Well, my one thing is three things. Bear with me here. I'm going to make it try to make it quick. I'm going to go over these rookie quarterbacks. Uh, I love that they made their mark on their first day. A lot of times recently you'll see quarterbacks maybe don't get their start week one, or maybe they have to wait a couple weeks, kind of like <laughs> the Trubisky picket experience and Ritter and Mariota. Uh, for, for me, let's start with Bryce Young. He completed 20 of his 38 pass attempts for 146 yards and a pair of interceptions. Uh, he did toss his first touchdown, hitting my guy Hayden Hurst for the score. Young looked calm and in control throughout the afternoon. His feet looked calm and settled. He looked decisive with the ball. He kept his eyes downfield and made a few tight window throws that make it obvious why he was a top selection in this year's draft. His decision-making and pocket presence and awareness seem to be very seasoned for a guy who's starting his first NFL game. That's That's good enough for me to take away, even if his final line isn't very impressive. And then especially his receivers have no juice. So, I mean, this guy's working with a bare cupboard. Then you got Stroud, who I'm the biggest critic of out of the group, but he still led this group in passing yards and had arguably the most challenging Sunday afternoon running for his life for much of that 25-9 loss to the Ravens. Uh, He threw for 242 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions. He was sacked five times and lost a fumble. So we got to see kind of what I was wondering about what happens when the nest around CJ Stroud isn't perfect. 
Um, the pressure kept Stroud from being able to attack much down the field, which he's known for, but he's still fairly efficient despite the onslaught. Um, his pressure and no pressure rate statistics, though, were slightly scary. Uh, they're about half, so his quarterback rating is down in the 50s. Whenever he is pressured, when he's not, it's clearly much better. Um, so while he mostly avoided turnovers, his offensive line is going to have to give him some time to learn in the pocket. Extending and freestyling is not his game, and that C.J. Stroud would not have gone in the top 10 if if that's what he worked on worked with in college. What's mostly encouraging, though, is he also looked to work through his progressions uh, more so and got more comfortable as the game went on. And then on to my favorite and my prediction for rookie of the year, Anthony Richardson. I was extremely pleased with Anthony Richardson and felt validated about all the hype I've been giving him. Anybody who has asked me if he's dynasty a dynasty QB1, I think this is like reaffirming that. He finished his game 24 for 37 passing with 223 yards, one touchdown, one interception, while leading the Colts with 40 rushing yards and another score on the ground. This guy has an elite arm, and it was clear with the laser throws he made, but head, their head coach said he wasn't afraid to get the big-framed Richardson out on design th- runs throughout the game, which is definitely something I want to see, you know, design runs for the best athlete we've ever seen uh, for a quarterback coming out of college. And why not? Use it if you got it. The only danger is getting him hurt. He did get dinged up a little bit late in the game, though his coach said he's going to be just fine. From the pocket, though, Richardson was generally pretty accurate and on time throughout the afternoon and forever ha- or for however raw Richardson was labeled to be coming out of Florida. He didn't look like a high-end project. Like I, like I said, when he's coming out, this guy's just inexperienced. He will need to work on throwing over the middle of the field and more specifically to his left. There's something going around on Twitter. Say, uh, show It charted all of his throws and you got green dots all over the right side of the field a couple in the middle and you got like one green dot on the left. It's almost like this guy could not see to his left. Hopefully it's a week one thing, or maybe it's something that they're doing to help, you know, hone his focus in on like, Hey, if if you're, instead of trying to grasp all of this at once, just have to feel it. I don't know. But, uh, with that, with him just having to work on those two things, his accuracy was extremely promising and this is rookie of the year. I'm going to be on it all year. They're going to put job. a, they're going to put a baseball shift on Richardson. If that, if that stuff con- continues, just, just shift the infield over to one side, baby. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so my, what I loved about week one, I don't do a lot of, believe it or not, I don't do a lot of bragging on this show, but the Rams made me look smart. Uh, I, yeah, they did. I, I, I really thought, Sean McVay, who's like still, is he still the youngest coach in NFL or top two or top three contemplating retirement last year or whatever the report said, (laughs) I was like, why on earth would this guy come back with a shitty roster when he was all ready to walk away or go do the booth for a half decade or something? There's gotta be something to this that he'd come back. He's not going to come back and go three to 14. And so I I banked on it all off season that that he knows something that we don't, and they're going to be good enough for at least a mediocre record. My estimation, the seventh seed in the NFC. And they went on the road and they beat the Seahawks. And I'm like, well, yeah, there you go. He knew something we didn't. And I'm glad I, I'm glad I capitalized on McVay's wicked smart brain um, because uh, the Rams still have a long way to go, but I'm telling you uh, that guy isn't, his mom didn't raise no fool. He's not just going to, pioneer some product to, to garbage and go get a sweet draft pick. Uh, he's he's usually going to conduct the ship in a way that's conducive to winning football. 
And I'll be interested to see how long it progressed. He produced a couple cool waiver wire options for your fantasy teams this week. I don't even know how to say the wide receiver's name, um, but Kyrie Puka Nakua. <laughs> there you go. Puka Nakua, who, who a lot of folks picked up. And yeah, I, I, I don't think the Rams are going to win a Super Bowl or anything close to it, but I do think that they should nibble at a wild card playoff berth. And I loved that this guy, who we should all trust in the first place, actually knew what he was doing. Yeah, he's out here playing Madden with these players, just <laughs> creating custom hot routes and moving receivers all around and just repeatedly throwing to the his favorite one. It's yeah, I, I know that targets. It's it's so weird that when he won his Super Bowl less than two years ago, he had just a treasure trove of egos and great football players, and it worked. And he won his title and that can't be erased. I wonder if it's kind of cool just to go into this egoless locker room and be like, oh. Okay, Puka Nukuka, uh, you're up here, and you know we're gonna give you the ball, and they're just, and then it's like every nobody cares because there's there's really no huge egos. You're just running the ship with with this defense that it it looks like a triple A baseball team in terms of name recognition. You're like who who's that? And well, he's evidently pretty good because they smacked the shit out of the Seahawks pretty handily. And yeah, one of the Coop, well, Cooper those Cup. younger guys, those younger guys, like you just mentioned, though that's probably the reason mm-hmm. you know i mean those guys are the easiest to coach yeah and uh mm-hmm. you know and uh, shanahan i think views things the same way yep and uh yeah so you heard it here first many weeks ago that the rams are going to get the seventh seed in the nfc in general Wes, something you utterly hated about week one i mean it's got to be the injuries right mm-hmm. um you know it started with uh, Travis Kelsey not being able to suit up and go out for the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, that kind of set off a, a domino effect for a lot of the um, what are considered the top tight ends in the league. Uh, Mark Andrews, uh, he didn't suit up either. Um, Darren Waller was kind of a game-time decision. Uh, then you, you get to Sunday and J.K. Dobbins, he he looks fantastic when he's out there. Um, he's powerful. He's he's catching passes. He's electric, and uh, you know he's lost for the season with the uh, Achilles injury, uh, and then that culminated on um, Monday night with you know Rogers going down with an Achilles injury as well. Uh, that kind of put a damper on the season and I'm, I'm no huge Rogers fan, but at the same time, you know, I, it was kind of exciting to see him in a different uh, arena, so to speak. Uh, one that I could, you know, cheer him on. Should I so choose mm-hmm. uh, being a Vikings fan? I, I could never cheer for him uh, being with the Packers and so to have all those injuries take place, it, it kind of put a damper on the weekend. Um, obviously, injuries happen. It's it's a violent sport. Uh, but at the same time, you, you never want to see some of uh, the top uh, people at their position go down with injury and piggybacking on the fantasy tip like a lot of those guys are fantasy stars so not having them out there it, you know it hurts things yeah with uh rogers 
Uh, Wes, I was I was 25 when Favre went to the Jets in 2008, which means you were about 28. And that gave me clearance and cover to cheer for the Jets because I always thought Favre was a cool dude, but I couldn't stand him in Green Bay. And I felt the exact same thing for, what, 10 minutes on Monday night. I was like, this is pretty sweet. History has repeated itself. And now I can cheer for the Jets and hope, hope Rodgers does well. And then you go from that to trying to figure out when the hell he'll play again, if at all because he's going to be 40 on December 2nd. And I don't know if there's precedent for a 40 year old coming back from a torn Achilles, let alone somebody in their prime. Yeah, Did you there's... see what he said? <laughs> Aaron Rodgers. What did he say? Oh, um... oh the dark Knight quote. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> I was like, right. Oh my God. And I mean, to, to also get back on onto it. Uh, last week I had picked the jets to be in the super bowl. And I, I mean, after seeing how they just utterly dismantled Buffalo, um, you know, I I don't see that I would have been wrong. Yeah, um, <laughs> see, and if, I, if Rogers were to continue, mm-hmm. see, I was telling someone at work about Rogers. I was like, man, this is the perfect scenario for Aaron Rodgers because now he's going to go to New York, and just because he this injury happened. Obviously, the best case scenario for him would be to actually win the Super Bowl. Second best case scenario is to have something like this happen. So he never has to go out and disappoint that franchise. And forever, even if he never plays again, he's going to be a fucking hero in New York. <laughs> they're going to worship that man if he never plays again. And that and and they're just going to never stop talking about him. And he's going to get to be the celebrity he wants to be. He's going to be the hero with the imaginary Super Bowl ring because everybody's, everybody's going to say, oh, yeah, well, we we could have won the Super Bowl that year with Aaron Rodgers. Did you see our defense and stuff like that? And it's like, man, he was getting blown up with those four plays that he was in there. I don't know if he would have made it to the Super Bowl, but everybody's definitely going to want to credit him like he did. In a season that he was out there for 75 seconds. And when that he, is so Aaron Rodgers with the lead up, running out there with the flag and like smelling mm-hmm. grass. And when, when he uh, was on the ground and at least in my house, we thought it was probably like a high ankle sprain for about about 20 minutes. I told my wife then I was like, God, this is such a Jets thing to happen. This guy is going to go on the mm-hmm. shelf for a month and this whole thing is delayed. And then it just the, the news got grimmer as we went on, like, oh, he's in a boot. Oh, look at the way that the reverberation of his tendon went. Oh, by the way, it's not good, according to Robert Soleil. And then Tuesday morning, it was like, yeah, he's done for the year. So it the was sh- the shots to the Jets fans. Me and <laughs> Amanda were watching the game and she's like still kind of, she's kind of like a casual at this point, but she knows about the Jets misery. And I'm like, you were witnessing firsthand what it's like to be a Jets yep. fan. And I was like, you could you could hear their cries and tears all the way down here in Texas. Like the whole world just watched this happen. And oh, the Bills yeah, are sitting depressing. there just drinking all of their tears. <laughs> Until they lost. Yeah. Uh, Jason, something that you hated from week one. Well, I mean, I, I aside from everything, my team, every well, no, I mean, it can't. Right. Because aside from my team losing, I mean, you know, every other team for the most part, except for the Raiders in our division. Lost as well, so I'm not going to chalk that up. Uh, we'll give it some time. I thought they did. They they certainly looked a little bit more uh, competent under Sean Payton. But I mean, I gotta I gotta piggyback on that man, the Rogers thing. I mean, this this it couldn't have. I couldn't imagine imagine being a Jets fan. Mm-mm. You know, I just could not fathom that. It could not have been worse. 
And I I get home a little bit after the game start uh, started, and I'm getting my stuff all situated for supper, and I go to turn the game on, excited to watch this. Mm-hmm. Uh, figured it was going to be a heck of a game. Um, and I've never obviously had any ill feelings toward Aaron. Um, he's not in my division, so I've always kind of liked the dude, like you did with Favre. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, uh, I'm in the kitchen. I just get it turned on, and I hear – because the, the the bills were on offense, and then I hear, oh, okay, well Zach Allen will lead the field, lead the charge uh, after the break, and I'm like, oh what? And so I hadn't heard or seen anything, and then obviously all that happens. And how long into this game before this happened? Four plays, seventy five seconds. Four plays. Snaps. Oh my god! It could just it's it's just almost nightmarish. Yeah, it's. For, a- Bad movie script. It really is. I mean, in 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 a good one, if you are an Aaron Rodgers, you know, hater, or <laughs> if you're a Packers fan who is finally sick of his shit, you know what I mean? Yeah. And and, and you're just like, I want, you know, if you're if you're of that mindset, then it's like, but even then, though, how do you be happy about it? I just, I, I couldn't imagine. I could not imagine being a Jets fan finally thinking, oh, man, we got the pieces in place. This is going to be awesome. And then to have it happen so quickly. Oh, my God. Yep. And the guy took a pay cut to surround the team with even more talent. The funny thing here is if Zach Wilson doesn't take off and they end up 6-11 and 11 or something, the morbid thing is... The Jets, the Jets might have to use their draft pick on a quarterback this this year, and he'll have no. to sit behind Rodgers for a year or two if Rodgers comes back. Oh, Even more chaos. What if Zach Wilson is just good enough to get them to 500 or even maybe even better? He's just good enough to garner some Pro Bowl buzz. Mm-hmm. And then they have a real situation. It's like, do we want Zach Wilson or do we want Aaron Rodgers, who's I imagine is going to probably pass a physical uh, calendar year from now. And yeah. then I'm sure his contract has some things that they can't really work around. His contract is nasty. Uh, essentially, whenever he hangs it up, uh, they push money out four years. Uh, whenever he retires and hangs it up, all that money comes due. Oh, yeah, he's got Bobby, Bobby Bonilla contract, <laughs> you know. But yeah, I'll piggyback on not only that, but yes, I mean, yeah, similar to that, but the injuries. I mean, injuries, 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 high mm-hmm. ankle sprains and freaking hamstrings. Mm-hmm. That, those things weren't Ugh. even a freaking thing six years ago, were they? <laughs> I mean, seriously. How this dude's got a hamstring injury out a month. What? Yeah. Give me a RIP Deontay Johnson. That yeah. one hurt me this weekend. <laughs> I mean, seriously. Cody, what's hamstring- something you, what's something you hated, Cody? <laughs> Uh, let's, let's keep it on recency bias. I, I hated what the bills did on mm-hmm. Monday night, albeit against a, a championship jets defense as per their head coach. So, uh, what can the offense do in year two under coordinator Ken Dorsey to better support Josh Allen coming out of the overtime loss of the jets? He had four turnovers and those are the focus for a good reason. Uh, the Bills also placed a priority this offseason on adding a better supporting cast around Allen, and those players did not make the needed impact Monday night. Running, backs James, running back James Cook had 12 carries for only 46 yards and clearly wasn't trusted to pass block. He's just too small. And then he's backed by pass blockers who can't play running back and Latavius Murray and Damian Harris. No receiver outside of wide receiver Stephon Diggs had more than 32 yards. In addition, the Bills' play calling issues remain uh, with time wasted 
on the final field goal drive of the fourth quarter that tied the game, as well as questionable plays in overtime. I'm not sure that Ken Dorsey is a solution here in Buffalo post Brian Dabble. To some, it's clear that Dabble has missed in Buffalo, and the man went across the street to the Giants. He fixed Daniel Jones's turnover problem immediately. However, if you break down the numbers between 2021 and 2022, between the two different offensive coordinators, you'd actually find that their numbers are eerily similar. Uh, in 2021, he threw for 4,400 yards, 36 to 15 TD INT ratio, 763 rushing yards, and six TDs. Last year, it was 4,300 yards, 35 TDs, 14 INTs, 762 rushing yards, and seven rushing scores. It's like 97% the same. I hate that I hate that this offense manned by elite playmakers and a potential MVP candidate in Allen is not playing up to snuff. They need to get this fixed now because at this rate, Josh Allen's numbers, they're all checking out the same. It's just whatever they're doing in Buffalo is straight up not working. And how long are Josh Allen's excuses going to keep? piling up before it's too much i mean everybody he has like the matthew stafford effect and he is clearly losing them these games he has he's zero and five in overtime games and i mean i don't i don't know for sure that they were all his fault but you see a running theme here i was watching a video earlier that said that this year there everybody's dropping seven and just letting him self-implode he's like a chaos grenade in someone's hand just you just give him enough time back there. He's going to do something crazy, whether it's trying to hurdle 300-pound defenders or whatever. I mean, as a Bills fan, you got to be super frustrated, especially I, after all the wind got sucked out of your rival stadium and you still lost. I think uh, he is the first quarterback since Favre, genuinely, that I can remember, that when he throws a pick, it's like, oh. That's all right. That's Josh Allen. That's part of his game. Mm-hmm. And we all kind of smile and say, oh, it's okay. He'll get them back. That's what we do. I remember yeah. I did it myself. He threw those two bombs that were basically punts picked off. And I was like, God, the good thing my quarterback doesn't do that. But it's when he does it, that's that's fine. It's kind of yep. cute. That's how we're quarterback. Yep. That's exactly what we did for Favre all those years. That's why he leads the NFL history in interceptions. It's like I did it even close Favre. Yeah. And I mean, then and then after the hundreds. game, Josh. After the game, Josh Allen's being asked about the turnovers and the game plan and the way he played and stuff like that. And he said, that's on me. And that he he also said, same shit, different year. It's like, what, <laughs> what type of answer is that? Why don't we? Uh, that's not a good answer to have. It's just the same shit as last year. I mean, we're talking like their loss to um, the Vikings and then other inexplicable losses. I remember we were freaking out about how they lost to the Jaguars. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's just... Yeah, I Not think he was clutch. I think he was pissed. And that's and then he he just probably shouldn't have talked in front of a microphone, but I don't think he had a choice. Uh, <laughs> the thing that I hated about week one was the Steelers. Uh Wes spent a lot of the summer saying that they weren't very good, and then Wes, at least for a week, is right. Uh they have Kenny Pickett, in my estimation, and I think the NFL body politic thinks gonna take the next big step. Uh they have Mike Tomlin, who shouldn't be just sleeping on anybody. And then the defense, TJ Watt and um, Patrick Peterson. I mean, they have Joey Porter's there as rookie. They have a competent roster. They shouldn't get their asses beat at home. Even if the 49ers are on a quest for a Super Bowl, the Steelers, knowing their DNA, they should have lost if they were going to lose like, you know, 24 to 20 or something. But they they got embarrassed Um, as we get to what blew uh, socks off. I'm going to start because it's a, a real quick piggyback. 
off of Cody's point is the discombobulation of the bills. Uh, I think the general sentiment of this show for the last month is there's something wrong with the bills, but none of us knew exactly what it was. I think it started with Diggs being goofy at minicamp. And then we all kind of just got tired of them getting their asses kicked against the Bengals and the playoffs at home. It wasn't even competitive. I think we have some bills fatigue that said every year we're going to see Josh Allen's MVP. They're finally going to get past the chiefs and they're going to the Super Bowl, baby. And then they, they don't ever do that. So I, I, I think that it's starting to get a little stale, even though they're still a good football team. And then bada bing for a week, we were correct. It was something not right with that team. Now it might just be week one. There's a lot of that going around. Um, but we're going to have to wait and see because it doesn't feel like the product that we used to pound our chest for saying, all right, this is your the Bills are going to Super Bowl. It feels a little bit twisted, and I don't know why. Wes, what's something that blew your socks off week one? Uh, I don't know if I'll be stealing anybody's thunder. Um, I got a couple different options to choose from here. Um, I could talk about the Dolphins. Uh, but I instead will pivot and talk about the Los Angeles Rams. Boom. Uh, they went into Seattle, a notoriously difficult place to play, <laughs> and blew the shit out of them at home. <laughs> um, they did so without arguably their their top offensive weapon in Cooper Cup. Uh, they did so with a collection of cast off wide receivers that shined uh pukanuku who we had previously mentioned uh, as well as tutu atwell uh kyron williams surprised a lot of people as well this weekend um he has established himself as the number one back in that los angeles backfield you heard that correct he has supplanted cam acres acres is an ancillary piece to this offense this is Williams' backfield. Um, so go get him if he's still available on, on your waivers. Uh, that defense, though, the defense, they played like they've been a team with a full collection of draft picks the last four or five years, which they absolutely haven't been. Um, you know, they got production and they held uh, what many perceived to be a uh, potential prolific Seattle offense to you know one score. Um, I we'll see what happens this week as they play San Francisco, a team that notoriously has had Sean McVay's number. Um, I'm probably gonna win that one too. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but these Rams, they might be back. They might be something to to watch out for. About a year and a half ago, you had some sort of stat about running backs recovering from ACLs, not ever quite being the same. Something to that effect in a directly Achilles. 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 Yeah, sorry. Yeah. And it directly applied to Acres in that conversation. And it seems like whatever that stat was, the words of it <laughs> is correct. Because every time, especially during fantasy season, we think, all right, this this is when this guy is going to get right. No, something doesn't work out. He doesn't get the touches and something Something, something, there is something to that stat. Jason, what do you got for something that blew your socks off? <clears throat> something that blew my socks off, and I'm going to be a homer here, was how quick and durable, and gosh, I hope I'm not jinxing anything here, but uh, Javante Williams looked. Um, with the injury that he's coming back from, I mean, you know, when that happened last year, 
And I mean, there were at first best case scenario predictions was that he may be able to be ready by mid season. (laughs) And then you start hearing reports out of Denver that this guy is like literally rolling and ready to rock by like May. And then he's going to be a hundred percent for training camp. And Peyton confirmed while training camp was started that this guy's a hundred percent. I mean, that, that, that was incredible to watch. Um, because that's kind of going on what, what you just said um, with it, it running backs coming back from those injuries. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, so that was good. And then, and then this was, it didn't really shock me, I guess, but kind of did was the lions and how good they mm-hmm. looked um, not only offensively, but defensively, they looked like a well-rounded team. Um, and I wish I could be a fan of them. <laughs> And I am kind of, I always liked, like the lights, but the, and then those crisp white uniforms yeah. looked even, made it look even better. Yeah. They, uh, they did what they needed to do. Um, they got a win on the road against the champs, even though they were undermanned and that wasn't their fault. And so now they're, they're one and oh, and the Packers kick some ass too. So those two, at least for the time being, sit atop the NFC North Cody, you have three minutes. What blew your socks off? Sweet. Uh, just real quick before I get onto my thing that blew my sock off. I want to make one more addition. One thing that blew my sock off was how bad Justin Fields is. I mean, <laughs> this Bears team is not going to get more than five wins tops. I mean, I, I watched the the um, the QB school on YouTube mm-hmm. uh, right before we came on this show. And I mean, the things that he was pointing out, he is I think that Justin Fields is broken. He's probably going to be at Atlanta Falcon next year by this time. Bears, I don't. Hopefully, they're smart enough to move on from this guy. He is not it. Well, they got to okay. promote your guy, Tyson. Oh man, <laughs> honestly, the way Justin Fields is playing, this their receivers were so open, and like people are blaming the offensive coordinator. And while some of his play calls could be better, the route designs on some of those receivers they were so open, and it was like. You cannot believe Justin Fields was just taking a sack instead. But on to my real thing about that blew my sock off about week one was how good are the Cowboys Uh, down here in Texas? I'm definitely hearing it all week. I'm even over here like they're they're probably they got a chance to go to the Super Bowl. They might have the best roster in the league. And they didn't even do anything on offense. Yep. Nope. We haven't even seen them (laughs) have to compete. Uh, Dallas obliterated the Giants at their home field, a playoff team who prepares for these division games year round. Next mm-hmm. week, Dallas plays another New York team. This one is a Jets team reeling from the Aaron Rodgers injury. This should be a slugfest with two championship-worthy defenses. Let's see what Dallas's offense does against a more formidable defense. Last time Dallas wiped the Giants off the map on a season opener, it was 1995, and they won the Super Bowl that year. Tony Pollard, and, and then they I'm saying that because it seems like you know they might go back again this year. Tony Pollard has five goal line carries, which was one more than he has had in the last four years. (laughs) That's crazy how this guy was not a first round draft pick at running back. We're all going to be looking back like, what the hell were we thinking? Uh, Dallas's defense is playing like the goons from Space Jam beating up on some Looney Tunes. They had six sacks (laughs) in less than three quarters. And since 2021, they have had 22 uh, 22 out of 33 games with multiple takeaways. That's three more games than the next team. This Dallas defense is for real, and this is not going to be the last 40-0 to type game you see this year from the Dallas Cowboys. 
Yeah, they always seem to sneak up and beat the hell out of somebody at least once or twice <laughs> per year. Uh, yeah, they're, they're catching teams in the alley, like not even. Yeah, looking, and like... they didn't. And I uh, I was traveling home from the Vikings turd against the Bucks, and my wife was updating me with the score. You know, and I was rubbing my palms together going, CD Lamb and Pollard, baby. I can't wait to check these fantasy box scores. And I get home, and it's like, oh, they didn't do shit. Like, but they had 40. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Dak Prescott, I started him. Um, as a kind of a spot starter in, in case Anthony Richardson wasn't any good in two leagues. I was like, oh, cool. It got me 6.3 points in this 40 point win. Okay. <laughs> uh, one more note on the Giants. I thought all the fantasy points went to their defense. Credit <laughs> them. I had their defense. <laughs> one one more note on them real quick. Their last two games, the Giants are combined seven and 78 and points oh my scored God. and against. But they got wiped out by the Eagles in the playoffs 38-7 and yeah. 40 to 0 by the Cowboys. Both division rivals. Alright. Alright, gentlemen, this thing's about to disconnect on us. We will talk to you guys in one week, alright? Alright, good night, guys. Later. Later. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.